1: Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
2: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight. Better the reward you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and medella is your reward. medella the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
3: There was it, sixteen and two now at home uh, because they play their asses off, and because they play their game at home. The only thing that prevents them from doing that. Are the little things like focusing like energy like effort like getting up for the game so I'm not saying they got to win uh they got to go 16 and 2 on the road here but like that's the next bit of growth I need to see out of the Cavaliers I need to see them get some significant wins on the road and even if it's not it's not just about beat this team or beat that team it's about uh, can you go ahead and beat the teams you're supposed to? You didn't do that with the Spurs and can you be competitive consistently on the road? I think I think their their output has has fluctuated a lot on the road. That's the next step I need to see from this team on their path to being able to win and truly tell me that they can win the Eastern Conference. But it is about the difference between talent and production. And I'm, I'm actually going to – this isn't this is just about the Cavs because I want to get into the other part of this with the Cavs. I want to get to your guys' – Bradley, Bob, Lou, you guys, your guys' thoughts on whether the Cavs can be – can truly win the East this year. That's a regular season thing, not a postseason thing. But to me, I think the Cavs and, and Browns are actually in similar boats when it comes to talent. I think the Browns are one of the five most talented teams in the AFC. I think the Cavs are one of the most talented teams in the Eastern Conference and probably top five in terms of talent. The difference is production. And it's rough. I like I hate dinging the Browns so I can compliment the Cavs because we saw it last night. That the Browns had three pro bowlers named. And then they had another five alternate players named. So would be Pro Bowlers if other guys either have injury concerns or duck out for you know not wanting to play in a crappy game in Las Vegas. But like the Browns, we could easily be talking about the Browns the same way. The Browns and listen, Kansas City, if they win the the AFC, they're they're destined to do that. That is a team that has been consistently great. They've got the best quarterback on the planet with one of the two best head coaches on the planet alongside a team that has been together for a decade. The Browns can't compete with that yet. In three years, we might be saying similar things about Stefanski and Deshaun Watson. Overall talent, I think they have just as much like high-level talent as Kansas City. But that's about culture, right? But the Bills... The Bills winning. That's been a kind of recent thing. <laughs> like, at least at the level that they're winning. Cincinnati, uh, you made the playoffs with your number one pick quarterback before they made the playoffs with their number one quarterback. Last year was their first playoff year. So when I look at the Cavs, not only do I see production meeting talent, I see the most likable team in Cleveland right now. And, and some of that isn't just about on the court right? And let's let's just be really honest here. We'd like to like our players. This isn't a Cleveland thing. We'd like to like our teams. We want to see something of ourselves in our team. In Cleveland, what do we like? Well, there's a blue-collar town. There are a lot of hard-ass people who go out there in December at, at 70 years old, shoveling your sidewalks or, or doing stuff outside, you kind of have to be a little bit of a hard ass to live in this area. We like blue collar teams, right? And what's wild about this is that the Cavs have added a bona fide superstar. Superstar has a negative connotation as well as much as it does a positive connotation in the NBA. Because once you become a superstar, you don't play hard night in night out. It's uh it's it's calculated days off. Right? It's ah, we're in Memphis. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna try fifty percent tonight because these aren't my home fans. It's uh it's ah load management. Got gotta manage gotta manage the uh the the wear and tear over here. That's not Donovan Mitchell. It's not I we haven't seen it yet. Donovan has not changed the culture, that likable culture, that blue collar culture that the Cavs have. As a matter of fact, it kind of exemplifies it. But beyond that, and I, and I really don't want to take a shot at any other organization in town. I think another big thing, a feather in the cap. I think the Cavs are just a better hang. They they are. The Cavs constantly either play up to or supersede their talent level, and they have like even when they even in the post-LeBron years. There was never a time where like, ah, oh, this team only won 18 games. They should have won 19. Now we've always kind of looked at them and "Yeah, oh, that's an 18-win team. Might have been a 16-win team. And I think the organizations, I don't know that it, I think the Guardians try really hard. I think the Cavs do the best job in town of taking care of their fans, of making the game affordable and accessible to everyone. I don't think the Browns feel the need to do that. And again, they, in fairness, the Browns have not done what a lot of organizations do. One of the great feathers in the caps of the Haslam's organization is that they have kept ticket prices relatively low to the rest of the NFL. It's still a spicy meatball to get in to a Browns game and to get out of. And I just see it like, guys it's kind of a tangent this is' an, a as an aside I even just see it in the environment. as a guy with ADHD and anxiety going to an NBA game is a lot for me and I went to a lot of games with the with the hornets because I, I like to take each one of my daughters as uh individually so they get some solo dad time and the noise is a is a little bit overwhelming for me it is. And even with that overwhelming noise, that piped-in music that literally just rattles the hell out of you, there's not a bad seat in the house. You can afford to go. I, I've got three daughters and a wife. That's five. That's it. We might take uh, another kiddo. Tickets are affordable. You don't feel like you're literally spending every bit of your last money just to go to one game. And it is a family-friendly environment. The Browns environment I like it, me. I like going to Browns games. I like getting drunk with you guys. I like partying with you guys. I think the Muni lot, and it's not just the Muni lot. That's To me, That's the Browns tailgating scene is every bit as good and as fun as the Bills. We just don't jump through tables like A-holes. By the way, I love those A-holes. Just so we're clear, that's a shot at Buffalo, but it's just because they get attention because they jump through tables. It's a stupid thing to get attention for. But, like, you go to the games, and some of this is it's an outdoor thing, so that's not something the Browns can really do anything about. I don't know, man. The environment isn't the same. A lot of that's the on-field, that's that production versus uh, talent that we just talked about. But I just don't get the sense, And, and I talked about it earlier this week, When we blamed this all in the morning show for having bad attitudes on Monday, it wasn't all their fault. Dustin pissed me off most. I told him to his face. It's okay. But I just got to be honest with you guys. I I think we're in a really bad spot with the Browns. And I think the Cavs might still have some sort of championship glow going on where, I don't know, I feel like the younger Cleveland sports fans, fans under 40, I think right now feel a little bit more loyalty, of which I am a member of that under-40 club for a few more years only. I feel like it's easier to be loyal to the Cavs right now and to celebrate the Cavs and talk about the Cavs and have fun being around the water cooler at the event than it is with the Browns. I I think being a Browns fan right now is work. The organization could do some things to make that easier, but by and large... Team isn't as likable as some other Browns teams. As, as They aren't as likable as the Cavs. And they just haven't won enough. 216-578-0092. I did want to ask you guys, though. Have the Browns lost a little steam here as Cleveland's most popular team? It's still a Brownstown. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm just saying maybe do you agree with me that the Cavs have, have maybe gained a little bit of steam? on the Browns in terms of popularity and in likability. Bob, I'll start there, and then I'll give you a shot to talk about your uh, your other Cavs take there. Have the Cavs gained some steam on the Browns here?
2: Uh, no. All right. The Browns well, is going to be the king, period. That's that. How old the are you, Bob? Years, I'm I'm 57.
3: Okay. Go ahead, buddy.
2: My, one of my nephews, my nephew is a ball boy for the Cavs, and a lot of the players treat him – very well you know what i mean and so in our house we have calf 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 here but browns is number one period point blank and that's that now the thing is with uh the cavaliers i'm a little worried think, for
3: your nephew the ball boy <laughs>
2: yeah no 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 because lebron still you things and it's it's just one of those things. That you you you're sitting at home chilling, doing nothing. UPS pulls up. LeBron just sent it some. Well, you know what
3: hey, I mean, is there any way your nephew can help me get on that mailing list? Uh I don't think so. But ah, anyway, <laughs> damn it, that pause gave me so much hope,
2: Bob. Right, right. But anyway, the Cavs. What the Cavs need to do is, I know it's not popular, but they need to trade Garland. And I heard you all talking about. Uh, Levert, if they can put a package together, because we need another superstar. We don't. We have a much better cast of characters than the championship that we had years ago. And my my nephew was in the parade. and We just had so much fun. It was a ball. But anyway, my nephew's getting a lot of run here, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love him in the depths. But the other thing is, that's the Cavs definitely need a, a superstar. They need a big man, shot blocker, hole clogger. And that's their issue. So as far as them going to the championship this year, I, I hope they do. But I just don't see it. The thing about the Browns is their coaching is terrible. And that's the issue that the Browns have. The coaching staff cannot get the talent out of the players that we have. And everybody knows we have almost the best players in the league, it just seems like. But uh, every every Sunday, it's like we're sitting there waiting for stupidness to pop up because our coaching staff is, I don't know, just because he's Ivy league or something like that, that don't make him a great NFL coach. He might be super smart in analytics and his math and all that is excellent. But as far as him being a coach that can get the talent out of the players that we have, he's not that
3: dude. You know, Bob, I appreciate the call. A lot of stray bullets on that one caught by a lot of people in Cleveland. Um, all right, I how do we, where do we even start? There was just so much to unpack there. I'll be honest, if my nephew was a ball boy of the Cleveland Cavaliers and was still getting from LeBron James, everybody would know it as well. I don't, I don't hate that uh, plug there by Bob. Um, I don't think they need to trade Garland. I don't think they need I, the guy that he just described is Evan Mobley. You already have that guy. the The biggest temptation for the Cavs is going to be. Um, chasing another player that's currently the level of Donovan Mitchell when you already have two kids who I think can be on that level in the near future in Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. But no, I, I don't think that they should trade Darius Garland. And I think people in town might riot. You know how I know? Because I suggested that they should trade Darius Garland for Donovan Mitchell and... And I'd been back about six weeks, and they almost sent me back to Charlotte because of it. 216-578-0092. Have, have the Browns lost steam in Cleveland? Bob was kind of not the age of person I was talking about. It, it is more my generation uh, of folks, and it's not that we don't love going to the Muni lot. It's that going to the stadium is often disappointing. We can, we can we can talk about, oh, the Guardians haven't won a World Series since 1948. Yeah, but they win a buttload of regular season games. Yeah, but they have been to a championship uh, series here in the last decade. With the Browns, it just feels like the cynicism has taken some of the fun out of being a Browns fan. The Cavs, they kind of got it all going on for them right now. We're just having the conversation, though, about the browns and whether the browns have lost steam as the number 1 team in town and and the reason why i made the under 40 remark earlier please know i'm not being an ageist all right that's not what uh, your boy nikki dubs is about there's an there's an era of of browns fans that will never be swayed off of the cleveland browns and that's my dad that's my dad's generation my grandma's generation I The way she put it to me, and this is one person that lived in rural Ohio, uh, she fell in love with the Indians first, right? Indians games on the radio every night with her, my grandma Blanche, and her brothers. And then came the Browns, right? Well, for, okay, the Browns came in, like, uh, the, the mid-40s, but, like, the Browns didn't, even though they were winning, the Browns mania was not an immediate thing. So it took a while. What My point is, it took a while for the world to become Brownstown here in Cleveland in the parlance of the great Terry Pluto. So I say that to say, I don't expect my dad's generation, who's r- ridden and died with the Cleveland Browns above everybody else, who, who probably more acutely than anybody else felt the sting of losing their team. I don't expect them to ever say, this is a generality. I don't ever expect them to say that the Cavs or Guardians are bigger in Cleveland than 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 the Browns are. And I want to point something out, because there was a great uh, reaction here on Twitter brought to you, a uh, Twitter reaction brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Uh, CLE4Life saying, how can you say that the Browns are always the First topic of discussion on the radio and their viewership is high every week. Not everyone can watch the Cavs, thanks to uh, the app. Browns over Cavs any day in Cleveland. I didn't say that the that the Browns were more popular than the Cavs. I didn't say the Guardians were more popular than the Browns. It still is a Brownstown, but I think the Cavs. I don't think the Guardians have gained any steam. I think that same generation that we talked about, my dad's generation, I think they got completely turned off by the name change for various reasons. You we've, we've you've heard them. I will not re, I'm not going to bring that one back up. But I I think the Guardians and and listen, the Guardians didn't win a championship. So, I think the Guardians are more popular amongst younger people, people 40 and younger than they are the older crowd. And by the way, that's a, some of that is also that that my dad's generation remembers. Uh, let's see, nineteen sixty-one through nineteen ninety-three. So that's a that's a valid that that organization was a dumpster fire for thirty-two years. Totally get it. So I think I think the Guardians ebb and flow. I think the Cavs, and it probably is since LeBron came here the first time. My dad's generation that we're talking about, they, they remember the miracle at Richfield. They remember Price and Doherty. So the Cavs have a special place. But for people my age, people my age, most people my age don't remember Vitaly Potopinko or uh, the the Derek uh, Anderson era or the in-between Price and Doherty Cavs and LeBron Cavs. A lot of people around my age or younger only know the Cavs from LeBron on. And if you only know the Cavs from LeBron on, you pretty much only know winning. You add to it how good the Cavs are at, at, at involving their fans, what a great environment Cavs games are as well. I do think the Cavs, I think it's a lot more of a 1A, 1B situation. The Browns are still king. That's fair. But I think it's much more of a 1A, 1B for Cavs, Browns, or sorry, for Browns and Cavs, Browns still the 1A, got to make sure I say that, than it is uh than, than it is for the older generations. Two one six five seven eight double oh nine two Lou, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us?
4: Yeah, boss. Well, into your first cool thing uh, regarding uh, the Cavs or Browns. I do think the Cavs have picked up steam, and I think next year the, the Guardians are going to pick up even more steam on the Browns too, and really it comes down to uh, – the idea of, uh, you know, exceeding expectations or not in the sense of the Cavs over the last season without LeBron, we didn't expect much, but they came to play every night and they were better than we thought they were some years. And right now, nobody expects them to be a title competition and, and they look like they are. And the Browns, meanwhile, have all these expectations and fall short year after year after year after year. And I think that's what kind of loses that fan base, especially the younger fan base. And I'm 40. That's so. By the way,
3: That's just I will give you another second because I know you had something on the Cavs. Um Meaning on the, the title contention thing we talked about. But like that idea of um I don't I can't recall a moment where the Browns have ever surpassed my expectations for them. That's yes. a really interesting point.
4: Yeah, it's year after year, right? Even after every year we go we go to the playoffs and then it's two years of no playoffs. Uh, the year Derek Anderson lit it up and then it was three years of garbage. And it's it's been that way for as long as I can remember being a fan back in the you know, late eighties and early nineties. Uh, and I, until that changes, I think you're going to always risk losing that. And, I mean, who wants to see a losing team play at five-degree weather when at least you could go downtown and sit in the, in the Cavs in there and see a team play, maybe the worst team in the league, play against a LeBron James or, uh, you know, an Anthony Davis or some of these other superstars in the NBA that uh, you can go see still for a cheap
3: seat. Oh, I don't know about that, Lou. I'm still a masochist that likes cold-weather games for bad teams. Lou, uh, uh, I wanted to give you your thoughts on the Cavs or get to your thoughts on the Cavs in their uh, eastern – Conference title contention possibilities.
4: Yeah, I think the Cavs are a title contender really because of the fact, I mean, you got Tower City down there at the corner of Mobley and Allen, right? I mean, as long as you have that defensive presence inside, you're always going to have the ability to to stop a really good team with a superstar. What I would like to see, the two caveats to that would be, one, Evan Mobley's got to stop looking like a puppy dog on the court. He's got to find that dog in him instead of taking that backseat to Allen, which I feel like he does most nights. Two... We've got to find that guy who's going to be our main defender on the perimeter. And if that's going to be coro, then that guy should be playing 40 minutes against the best offensive player every night. I feel like that's another big difference between the Cavs and the Browns. We're playing basketball like we're hoping to make the playoffs versus like we know we're going to make the playoffs. We need to be preparing for a championship run where the Browns play the regular season like they expect to be in the Super Bowl. And they forget that they got to make the playoffs in the first half. So I'll let you go, Nick. Have a good night and Merry Christmas to you and
3: staff, y'all. Merry Christmas, Lou. We appreciate it, buddy. The Mobley thing's interesting. Um, I think now that we've seen about 30 games of Evan Mobley this year, I I probably overshot my expectations for him. And I think we're going to see Evan Mobley learn the, the thing that Lou was talking about, which is bringing that dog out every night in the NBA and not to defer to Jared Allen. I think it'll be the playoffs. I think he – I'm sure there's still going to be – he's so young and he's so skilled that I think you're going to see him grow by leaps and bounds uh, throughout this year. But I'm talking about – I've just heard it from so many different people involved in the NBA. You, The second you get into a seven-game playoff series, it changes your perspective as a young player because you learn the difference in – in how to compete. It just teaches you to compete at a, at a completely different level. And I think of everybody. Listen, I think I think Evan needs that. I don't think it's that he's dogging it. I don't I don't I don't think it's a bad thing that he's deferential either. I I think it can be tough to learn to defer at certain points, when to defer and when to take over. But I think I think of all the guys on this roster, I think Evan is the guy that can uh, benefit the most from getting into the playoffs, experience that environment, and it wouldn't even be surprising to me. I mean, we've seen this before where young guys, the, the playoffs end up being the thing that turned the corner for them, right? Once upon a time, that was kind of Kawhi Leonard. Even though Kawhi's averages were good, like the first time Kawhi got a real taste of the NBA playoffs, you just saw a jump in his game. And that's like more over a decade ago. I, I, there's another young player that I'm I'm struggling to uh, to think of, um, but he was a small market player that that again like he was like a good 12 13 points a game player in the regular season that year two three years in went to the playoffs and just started dominating and has never stopped dominating and it's really bugging me that I can't think of that name off the top of my head. Dave, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Hello, Dave. Yeah. Hey, how you guys doing today? Doing well, buddy. What you got for us?
0: Uh, just chiming in on well, the Browns have lost steam as the favorite team in Cleveland.
3: Mm-hmm. Go ahead.
0: Um, I you you and the and uh, the call a couple calls before nailed it. What I was the point I was going to make? But uh, the older generation, I'm 32, but everybody older than me, it's it's Browns all day, every day. The, the opportunity, the, the second opportunity happens. Mm-hmm. But I really think. You know, with the, uh, all the controversy that's happened, and honestly, the past four years, um, next year is a very pivotal year on on who's going to hold that crown as the favorite team in Cleveland. I, I really think if the Browns tank or bomb or just bottom out, I really think the Guardians and the Cavaliers have a chance to uh, at least be one A, B, and C. I think I think it's going to be real tight, and uh, and the next five years will be what that's going to look like for the next generation down the line. I really do think the younger generation can't tolerate losing anymore.
3: I appreciate that. I think that's a I think that's fair. Like I tend to think of my fandom um a lot more in line with like uh, my dad's generation where it doesn't matter if you're Cavs, Browns fans, Guardians fans first. I'm a Cleveland sports fan and whether they win or lose, I'm still going to watch them and support them. I don't feel the same way about like my nephew's generation. I don't that I and I don't want to I don't want to say like he's a uh, I don't want to call them front runners, but I mean I, even like the fandom isn't even just uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, a team. Uh, like it's weird to me because like I like individual players. I got to watch Lamelo up close. I'll always root for Lamelo to be really good, right? Like LeBron, I. Uh, Root for LeBron, even though he's playing for an organization that I hate more than anything in sports—in the LA Lakers. But like, I'm a LeBron fan. But that fandom doesn't supersede a Cavs fandom, and and I don't feel that. At least when I talk with younger people, right? I mean, I put that in quotations because I want to sound old as hell. Apparently, uh, when I talk to the the younger generations of sports fans, I don't necessarily feel that same. Level of fandom Mitchell on Twitter saying "Cavs have won a title, embrace the city and built a fun team. The Browns have been a terrible ownership group sold their soul for a quarterback. And they went into what Deshaun is accused of uh, anyone with morals. You no, know, it's tainted on some level and it feels it. I hear you. I also think the second, the Browns, if the Browns were to get into the playoffs this year and go on a Super bowl run, I think a lot of people would get back on that bandwagon. I think if the Browns go next year and go deep in the playoffs, I, I it's not to say that everybody and because again I think there are very real moral reasons to to kind of be hands off with the Browns, and it's not just to Sean Watson and what he's accused of, what he was sued for, and what he was suspended for by the NFL. There are some some stuff that Jimmy Haslam has been accused of, but I I tend to think. I I tend to think there's a segment of fans who are using that, not as an excuse, but as a reason to say, I just bleep that franchise. But I think the real reason is the Browns have just been uninspiring. And I love what Lou said. The Browns have never surpassed our expectations. I think that matters. We were just having the conversation about the Browns and their popularity losing steam. And I did want to play something from the morning show today. They had Mary Kay Cabot on. Uh, If you guys did not listen this morning, it was a great interview. I believe it was 8.20 if you want to go back and listen on the free Odyssey app. But football fans know anything can happen at the end of the year, which is why it's each episode of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland featuring Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder is a must-listen. Get fresh episodes Tuesday and Thursday morning, plus insight after every game on the Odyssey app, brought to you locally by Smiley One, heating, cooling, and plumbing. Brian Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. And this might comfort Joe Woods as he tries to plan the next year of his life. Wonder if he'll be back here in Cleveland. Mary Kay Cabot talking about evaluating Joe Woods.
5: I know that it's been something that, has been discussed, you know, probably internally throughout the season that that they will have to evaluate this after the season. I think they're going to take a long, hard look at special teams as well, and they will determine if they need to make these changes. And I do think that it helps that your star player is coming out in support of you. And I think there were very many extenuating circumstances on defense this season. I mean, Miles, for one, flipped his Porsche, and he wasn't himself for several weeks. Jadavian was out, you know, for a number of weeks you had... Many of your key players and stars either out for all or parts of the season. There was no continuity. It was hard to kind of pull it together and maybe also make some of those adjustments. But it seems like things have settled down and they kind of have their mojo down now. So, I mean, I for one would like to see Joe Woods come back and get another chance and see what they can't do when they add maybe some defensive tackle help. But we'll just have to see how it goes.
3: I think the Browns have to thread, and I'm I'm not talking about to you, the fans, because I think anybody still hanging out with the, the Browns fans still um, hanging out with the Browns right now. We're going to continue to vibe with the Browns, no matter whether they're good or bad, whether they're uh, treat us like crap or not. Like, I think the reality is, if you're still rocking with the Browns, you're still rocking with the Cleveland Browns. So this isn't about selling it to you. Although I know that the organization, or rather, it it appears that the organization at points does care about selling things to you. But I think in terms of evaluating Joe Woods, in, in terms of evaluating the coaching staff around Kevin Stefanski, I think you have to walk a really important line between making excuses and valid reasons. When we talk about having, are we on the fifth Mike linebacker this year? Anthony Walker, Jacob Phillips, Ciony Taketaki. Now we're on uh, Mach Four. That is a legitimate reason. That's a legitimate thing that's held back the Browns' defense. It is. Um, when we get into Miles Garrett missed a game because of a of a car accident. It's not. That impacted the Atlanta game absolutely. Jadamian Clowney has not been the same player this year. I think that's worth examining i don't know that that's a valid reason though and i don't know i'm really concerned i think this i i think there is a um i think there's an organization mentality that has afforded a lot of excuses to be made i felt like um some of the things that came out just some of the reports some of the way baker mayfield was was painted last year it felt like excuses to me. And by the way, they made the right decision to move on from Baker. And that that's not just cuz he's not played well this year, it's cuz they went out and got a top 5 talent at the quarterback position. That that's smart. That's that's analytically intelligent and just common sense intelligence. But I didn't like the way that they framed a lot of the things that happened last year with Baker. He's not the only reason the offensive the offense struggled some of that's on Kevin Stefanski. But this year five Mike linebackers, that's not an excuse. That's a reality. That that's held the Browns defense back. Defensive tackles. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a valid thing to say. I think the defensive tackle issue um you know, the two biggest issues we had coming into this year were wide receivers and defensive tackles. And Donovan Peoples Jones really developed I think start recently here, you've seen David Bell start to get out on the field. Mike Woods, the second. Uh, Dalen Baldwin had two catches for 25 yards this last week. All of a sudden, those young guys have kind of just started to sprout there. Early in the season, with defensive tackles, I was totally, okay, yep. You're getting cooked in the run game. Jordan Elliott makes one great play, followed by he gets blown back off uh, the the uh, the line, and then all of a sudden their linemen are in the second level. To me, what is most concerning, although I think we've seen a little bit of this recently, all, what is that, 15 games now? 16 games? and 8, 14? Okay, carry the two. All 14 games it's not completely the fault of the defensive tackles because we should have seen a lot more growth. If young players continue to play over the course of 14 games and you're surrounded by talents like Miles Garrett, you're surrounded by talents like Jadavian Clowney. He's not Jadavian Clowney. He's also not a god-awful edge rusher this year in Jadavian Clowney. We're surrounded by one of the better secondaries. And yes, I know people want to discredit that, Denzel Ward, Grant New- Greg Newsome, and MJ Emerson are some of the better. That's that's one of the best quarter cornerback uh, trios in the NFL. At some point, we should have seen more in terms of growth out of Jordan Elliott, Tommy Togiai, and honestly, Taven Bryan doesn't look like he can play in the NFL. I'll give you that. That's a valid reason. They signed the wrong veteran defensive tackle on the field for a guy who I don't think's played that well. But offensively, you've got some leaders. You have an Amari Cooper. You've got uh, you've got a, a unit that's still performing reasonably well, and you see success in it. Offensively, you've got an underperforming unit. Do I think defensive tackles could have been ten times better? Probably not. But you still have former third-round picks, you have high draft picks, and you've got guys who flash in Elliott and certainly Perrion Winfrey. Defensive tackle is somewhere in between an excuse and a reason. But I can't just give it all away because I wonder defensively if this defensive coaching staff is developing the guys the way you want to. I know MJ Emerson's developing. Greg Newsom's developing in the slot after having started on the outside in his career. It felt like uh, JOK was primed for a huge step in the second year of his career. We didn't see that second step. I think my biggest problem when it comes to giving Joe Woods and company another year here, another crack at it, is the progress on the player side of thing has been incremental. I just don't think that falls on Andrew Barry. If you have talent, if you have raw talent, which is what the Browns draft, that's the whole point of analytics. Draft the best athletes you can and refine them into football players. I think the refinement process is problematic.